Hello, everyone, and welcome to We Can Do Pod Things. I'm Annalise. And I'm Emily. And we just decided that we are going to have a new introduction. (laughs) When we start an episode, we are going to say, uh, let's light this candle and And meet meet the the old broads. Because, you know, we that's our cue. So, um, hi, if you're here wondering what the heck you've gotten yourself into, we are two best friends who work in the um, mental health field and And also utilize (laughs) the mental health field's resources. We're just really big fans of mental health. Mm -hmm. And we are also big fans of Glennon Doyle and Amanda Doyle and Abby Wambach. And we really love their podcast, We Can Do Hard Things. Mm -hmm. And so on our podcast, we just talk about things that we've learned from episodes of their podcast. And we like to think that we're funny. And maybe you should just listen to decide for yourself. And you can tell us how funny or not funny you think we are at our email address, which is podthingspodcast at gmail.com. Today, we are going to cram a two-episode episode Mm -hmm. into one episode. So if you have been listening to us for a while, you may have picked up on we are big fan also of Liz Gilbert. A little bit. I'm reading Eat, Pray, Love right now. I just got into the third section mm-hmm. um, into Bali. And it's still just blowing my mind. And so we decided that this this episode, we should do the Liz Gilbert episodes. And that is what we are doing. I think these come from May 10th and 12th. Of was it this past year? It was, yeah, okay. because it was their one year anniversary. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. So, um, oh, I do have a quote of the week. I just found it, and I thought, oh shit, that's something we need to talk about. I found that people get, oh wow, I hadn't finished listening to these episodes until mm-hmm. like ten minutes before we started this, but. I saved this the other day. It hits different. Yeah. The universe is weird. I found that people get hooked on endlessly intellectualizing their emotional patterns as a way to avoid doing anything about them. I'm glad we don't know anyone like that. (laughs) The problem is that intellectual understanding can give a sense of progress and change without progress or change actually occurring. That was shared by Brandon Collinsworth on... Instagram, um, and the quote is attributed to Mark Manson. So, you know, I'm kind of a podcast hoe. Mm-hmm. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I was just listening to Armchair Expert mm-hmm. with Dax mm-hmm. and Monica, mm-hmm. and their guest was Anna Kendrick. And she talked about how she has just become aware recently that she does that. So, is she a five? I wonder. Maybe. Isn't that the, yeah, that's the. Mm, two yep yep there's two numbers in between we're talking about the enneagram because we also love the enneagram as a tool to help us understand our own lives better you're in within integration and disintegration there's two numbers in between you skip two numbers mm. and then you i've never noticed that up is yeah that's why the lines and everything i guess are like so that. yeah um two numbers up is disintegrated two mm-hmm. numbers down is integrated 
I mean, I guess it does work out rather nicely with those lines. I should have actually paid attention to the pattern there. I might like, I've, I've always thought it would make a really pretty tattoo also, Mm -hmm. but like I probably should do a little bit more research on the Enneagram as a whole before I tattoo it to my body. But uh, we have had an episode or two in the past where we've mentioned that I noticed that my I have a tendency to intellectualize my emotional patterns or my trauma to try to understand them, but also sometimes to avoid actually doing the work. I mean, we have heard people say for so long, you can't just listen to your gut or your heart. You need to also think with your mind Mm -hmm. and use your head. And we have gone in the, we've overcorrected. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, that's, that's the whole part about a whole thing with being embodied and, and integrated and balanced is knowing which of those three intuitions, three, which of those three pieces to listen to. That's part of the Enneagram too, isn't it? Mm -hmm. The triad. The gut triad. Mm -hmm. The, there's a gut triad, the heart triad, triad, and the mind triad. Mm -hmm. All Brain. right. Mm-hmm. Before we get too deep into the Enneagram, because we could, <laughs> we are going to talk about Miss Liz Gilbert, who describes herself as the author of the book that launched a million divorces. <laughs> Wait, before we get... Okay. But also, if you found that Enneagram talk kind of interesting, we do have an episode on mm-hmm. the Enneagram. Um, so go through and look at our other episodes and you might find some information in there. Interesting. Yes. Yes. Pretty please. Liz, I have... Of course you wrote that down because I laughed so hard when she said that and then rewound it to make sure that I got that specific quote. Mm-hmm. And it's, I did too, because first I thought she said a thousand divorces. Right, and I thought, a ship that no, launched, that can't be right. <laughs> something about the look that launched a thousand ships mm-hmm. or something. But yeah. um, I am um, especially think that that's funny because when I watched Eat, Pray, Love for the first time, I was married mm-hmm. to my ex-husband. And there were a few times during our relationship where I kind of got to a point where I had this realization that I, I couldn't be there anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think the first time that I really realized it, I was with um, two of my friends. We were doing like a little girls night and I just started sobbing. Mm -hmm. And watching Eat, Pray, Love was a moment too where I was just like, ah, fuck. Why am I, why am I so into this movie? Why is this resonating so hard? Why does this feel so relevant to me? Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it, because I know that I need a divorce and I haven't done it. <laughs> so for you, this was a book-shaped door. Yes. Because for Glennon, she comes to Liz in the very early days of her and Abby before she had sought a divorce from her husband at the time, Craig. Mm-hmm. And she says to Liz, what if it's not real? What if it's not real? And Liz, for one thing, says, what if it is? But what if it is? It's it's right here. Yeah, right she, under the book that launched. She also divorces. says to her, if it isn't, then maybe this person is just the Abby-shaped door mm-hmm. that you need mm-hmm. to exit this relationship that you know you don't belong in. To be completely accurate, it's the Julia Roberts-shaped 
door because I watched the movie before I read the book. Oh, 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 got it. Um, I also want to rewind just a second and talk about how Glennon was kind of freaking out about this episode and was like sending notes and stuff mm-hmm. back and forth to Liz. And Liz was like, Glennon, we know how to talk to each other. Yeah. Like it, it's okay. And that just made me think about you and me mm-hmm. and how, I mean, we do take notes and we found that we kind of have to have some notes to refer to because then we just get too lost or we just stare at each other going like, I don't even remember what did, what, what, what would, did we do in this episode? But we don't have to micromanage it or structure mm-hmm. it or like plan things out or write out a script or anything. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but we don't necessarily need to because for our format is just what we do. It's talking to each other. And thank goodness because we wouldn't do those things. No, no, we wouldn't. <laughs> and we wouldn't have made it to our 10th episode. Yeah. If we tried to do that. Do you know, have you noticed that we almost have an episode that is cracking into the triple digits <gasps> of views? What? No. We do. I thought I'm you so weren't going to look at the statistics. I thought I wasn't either, <laughs> but I learned something about myself. <laughs> hey, I love it. You're learning how to balance that instead mm-hmm. of trying to keep away from it altogether, which yeah. she talks about way later and we will get to. She talks about love addiction. You're trying to figure out how to use this tool instead of just completely surrendering to stay it away yeah. or stay away from it or stay away from it balance yeah. and moderation which is my word balance <laughs> that is my word i'm a libra mm-hmm. it's going to be tattooed on my body daniel marshall if you're listening to this it's time is that the scale yes okay mm-hmm. i have been thinking about it for a long time mm-hmm. but balance is my word she has declared it yeah so it is written so shall it be forever and ever One thing that I think is really incredible about Liz being so transparent about her entire journey is that she didn't have to. Hmm. She didn't have to, in the first place, she didn't have to leave the marriage that she's in at the beginning of Eat, Pray, Love because it was what some people may have called good enough. Right. But she did it. And then she writes this huge book, not unlike Glennon, mm-hmm. a huge book about finding herself and also finding the relationship at the end of the book that seems like maybe it is two marriages, the one, one long, one short. Yes. And then, surprise, she realizes this isn't it. And To come forward and to say, I have realized that to be true to myself, I have to blow up everything that people think they know about me. Mm -hmm. And that is a huge risk. It's scary. As someone who has done something (coughs) similar, Mm -hmm. not to the degree that she did, but um, it's terrifying. Yeah. Because you wonder, who who am I going to have? And then a further step for her was she could have let everybody think that once she and Rhea got together, that it was bliss. Mm. But she still decided to be generous enough to share with people that that is not the way that it was. She didn't end up in the story that she had written Mm -hmm. for herself. And you know, you're right. She didn't necessarily have to, but I think she did have to. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's part of her embodying and her becoming whole yes is recognizing 
that she can no longer suppress yeah. that part of her story. Every truth is a kindness. Yes. Get out of my notes. Seriously. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I want to go back real quick. Mm-hmm. She to we to, this whole two marriages, one mm-hmm. short, one long. Um, and that's from Eat, Pray, Love. That's not necessarily from this episode. But this episode's really more about Liz Gilbert than it is mm-hmm. about Glennon Doyle's episode. But um, it's it can be both. Um, I also love uh, this psychologist. Her name is Alexandra Solomon. She is a sex and marriage therapy um, professor at Northwestern. I'm obsessed with her in a, in a totally healthy way, not a weird way at all. Um, and she talks about in our lifetime. In our relationships, we will often have many marriages. We will have many marriages. If you're lucky, it will be to the same person. Mm. And how your marriage can look different yeah. at different points in your life. Yeah. And one, one version of your marriage ends, but that doesn't necessarily mean that your relationship to that person ends. It just means that it becomes reincarnated in a different vessel. I love that. Vessel. Yeah. yeah. Um, that also is very much like, um, there's a couple, a couple of couples who have, who were together and then broke up and then got back together. And, um, that's an interesting idea to me for a few reasons that we won't go into because this isn't about me, but, um, them talking about the 2.0 of their relationship and, and the, how their, that vessel, that specific version of Mm -hmm. their relationship sealed or ended or was done, was Mm -hmm. finished. And then there became this new iteration of it. This is not specific to romantic relationships, but what that makes me think of is later when Amanda talks about knowing that she had to walk away from Glennon when Glennon was so deep in her addiction. Liz knowing that she had Mm -hmm. to step away from Rhea when she was so deep in her addiction. Yes. Because they wanted something that they could return to later. Yeah. If it were possible, they wanted something that they could come back to. Yeah. And if they stayed and just let it burn itself to the ground, then there's nothing. Right. Because she said Rhea would tell people that's not your loved one. Mm-hmm. Your loved one is dead. Yeah. What you what you are interacting with now is a vampire. Mm-hmm. And you can let the vampire die. And maybe your loved one will come back to life. And maybe not. And maybe not. But in order for that to be a possibility, Mm -hmm. you have to be willing to let the vampire die. You have to be willing to put a cork in that vessel of what your relationship looks like. And not many people get this, but Rhea herself had told Liz years ago before they ever knew that this would happen when I was deep in my addiction. The only thing that could have helped me sooner is if more people had walked away from me. Because as long as I had even one person to take me in, I was not going to make the move that I needed to make. You wrote it down too. I don't need to write notes anymore. (laughs) I'm just going to listen to your notes and be like, yep, wrote that down too. I have, I wish somebody would have cut me off sooner, I think is what Mm -hmm. she said. Um, and I wrote down the consequences of their own behavior. Yeah. And one of my favorite Brene Brownisms, which is the most loving thing you can do for someone is 
let them experience the consequences of their own behavior. Exactly. And that's exactly what that is. But I wonder when Katut was telling her about her marriages, she took them to mean to other people. But I wonder if he's talking about the marriages to herself. Mm-hmm. One short and one long. Oh, okay. So is what you're saying that the short one perhaps was the eat, pray, love journey where she felt or prior embodied. to eat, pray, love prior to eat, pray, love. Mm-hmm. And the long and the marriage long is as she's continuing <coughs> to grow and change and realize I'm, I have a love addiction. Mm-hmm. I have this yeah. thing, recognizing her own patterns yes. and doing the work. If anybody knows Liz Gilbert, um, please just maybe send her this podcast. I just would be interested <laughs> in hearing her thoughts on that. And also if she would like to get uh, matching best friend tattoos, just let me know. <laughs> She's quite heavily tattooed. I didn't realize really? that about her. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. I literally had just seen a picture of her the other day. Yeah. Like She narrates the the book version and the audio book version of Eat, Pray, Love. And I was like, okay, I've heard her voice. Mm-hmm. I know intimate details about her life. I, what does this woman look like? So I just saw a picture of her. The she either has almost a full sleeve really? or I saw a very doctored photo. <laughs> <laughs> she was wearing one of those um, yeah. Halloween tattoo sleeves. <laughs> Jack used to have those. <laughs> I rally had one and I posted a photo of it. And one of my relatives thought that we had oh, tattooed ours. Christ. He was not even a year old. No, I, Jack was a baby and he had little legging leg ones. You know how they mm-hmm. used to have those like tube socks yeah just the legs or whatever and um he had those for his legs but nobody ever thought that it was real because you can't tattoo a baby (laughs) i mean this is a relative of mine who lives in california so god only knows what she thinks god only knows what she thinks we do here in indiana (laughs) i mean they could tattoo babies out in california i don't know if you live in california well she probably thinks that that's something we do here in indiana (laughs) because we're so backwards Uh uh-huh well She's not wrong. So what Liz finally realizes that she has to do when Rhea is no longer a person that she either recognizes or can be around. Mm -hmm. Because she said at one point, there was no ultimatum I could give this person. There was no incentive I could give this person. She had to set a really difficult boundary. Mm Mm-hmm. Because as painful as it is to realize that there's not a thing you can do, that this is out of your control, that's the situation that they were in. Well, and remember how she said, Rhea said that she would not die until she saw her standing on her own two feet. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so then she said to her during this nightmare phase that this is me standing on my own two feet. Mm-hmm. And that was when she was like, let's, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get sober again. I want to rewind a little bit because we're talking about her, Liz's best friend, Rhea, but not really in a context. I don't, we haven't explained why mm-hmm. we're talking about mm-hmm. that. So she divorced her first husband, had the eat, pray, love experience. At the end of Eat, Pray, Love, she meets her. She meets this guy, Javier Bardem, in the um, movie, I believe. And they get married. 
She wrote a book about that. Right. Committed. Have you ever read? Com- yeah. I have not read it, she but I just wrote learned a book the existence about of it. how resistant mm-hmm. they both were. Yeah. To the idea of getting married. Because it wasn't, and they, they ended up getting married because mm-hmm. of a, a green card thing or something, right? Yeah. 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 Like a, um, not that they didn't actually love each other, but like that became the impetus for, okay, we should, we do love each other and we do want to stay together. Mm-hmm. We do want to be together. I guess we should get married. Yes. Um, I haven't read it, but. Then, in that marriage, which she is very protective of, and I am just, I love it. Respect. I love it for her, too, because of how bad her first marriage was, mm-hmm. or the, the divorce was. And she talks in Eat, Pray, Love about how she romanticizes people who have had good d- divorces, um, because those people must have really loved each other. I didn't have the worst divorce in the world. I, I really didn't. It was actually pretty easy Mm -hmm. the process itself was not nothing about getting divorced is easy but as far as divorces go mine has been pretty good yeah i have a good relationship with my ex i have a even better relationship with his fiance we are we are team members i love it if there was ever a time not to compare yourself to other people it is when you are in the midst of a divorce yeah yeah um but she's very protective of this she divorces this man because she realizes, she said at one point in time, it was just the three of them. He loved her. She loved her. Mm-hmm. She loved her. Rhea, Liz, and her husband all just being the bestest of friends, yeah. the three of them, almost mm-hmm. like a little, what do they call that? Not a triad, but a... Thruple? Thruple, yep. <laughs> um, and, but it was platonic between Liz and Rhea, or at least on the surface, Mm -hmm. it was. And when Rhea was diagnosed with terminal cancer, that's kind of when Liz had to force this realization of she like-liked I love that. How adorable is that? And then can you imagine if you say to someone, I like-like you, and what they say back to you is, <gasps> it feels like a cage in my heart has just opened and a thousand white doves flew out. Imagine when you were in third grade and you would ask a boy, do you like like me? If he had said that. <laughs> I does not compute. Like, I I have a few different feelings about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's this time in... The, the relationship when she was still married and the three of them were going out to dinner and she talks about Rhea would go on a date with someone and then she'd come to dinner with Liz and her husband and they would um, discuss the date and Liz would have to remind her you can't compare because then Rhea would say well, she's not Liz she's mm-hmm. just not Liz and Liz would say you can't compare me to someone you've had dinner with once I've earned it and my they own- were friends for 15 years, 13 years. 13 before they got together, I Mm -hmm. think, right? Um, My own experience post-Breakup B, if you've listened to our Chelsea Handler episode, Breakup B, um, was when I would go out with someone and I would just be so dissatisfied when I came back. And I'd be like, it just wasn't that mm-hmm. it wasn't what I wanted and us having similar conversations of like, well, you know, of course it's not because the first time you had that experience with that person, whatever it was, whether it was an argument or, a, or a, 
a debate or Mm -hmm. a kiss or something more. That it didn't just start out that way. Yeah, you you built it, and they earned that, and and but really, kind of. Totally getting what Rhea is saying about like, yeah, I know it's not, it's it's comparing apples to oranges, but like, I know what I want. Mm-hmm. I know that this is what I want. Yep. I have it and nothing is ever going to measure up to that again. And I was just kind of like, well, shit. Okay. Well, good to know. <laughs> there are other people that experience that. Mm-hmm. Turns out it's not totally crazy. It's not crazy to say uh, I, I want know what it to I be want crazy, and though. I'm not going to settle. Yeah, but you have to do this is one of those times where you have to think with your head, your heart and your gut. <sighs> because <laughs> that's the only way. Did so I just good turn luck to you. Tina from Bob's Burgers <laughs> for a second. Sorry guys. <laughs> um yeah, I it's it's and it's the never-ending story. Mm-hmm. Um I also, and then short, sometime shortly after that, she says, a great truth liberates us all. Mm. Every truth is a kindness, even if it makes people uncomfortable. And that's. And vice versa. Yes. Every untruth is not kindness, even if it makes people comfortable. Mm-hmm. That has been my experience with almost every aspect of my life but especially with vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And when I avoid having uncomfortable conversations with people, that is cruel to me and to them Mm -hmm. because that's when you get stuck in this relationship with someone who's a vampire. It's not your loved one. And at some point much later, Liz talks about how between she and Rhea, Rhea would say, we don't, What'd she say? Pack things up or button things up around here. Yep. Just put it out there so we can deal with it. Yep. You know what else that reminds me of? Mm -hmm. That comparison to the vampire is uh, practical magic. Oh, yeah. Uh, Nicole Kidman's character just loves this guy so much. And I think they accidentally kill him. Well, they try to kill him on purpose kind of at first. Right, because because he he was abusive. And then he wasn't dead. They thought he was, but he wasn't. Am I remembering this Something, correctly? Yeah, I watch it every Halloween. I made Jack and um, my ex-boyfriend watch it. Mm-hmm. And they both were like, why the fuck are we watching this? Yeah. Jack probably didn't use the F word, but he was probably thinking it. <laughs> and I was just like, I just love it so much. But they try to bring him back to life mm-hmm. and it ends up being a version of him that is not. Or Pet cemetery. Right. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Or the monkey's paw. Really? I don't know that's that one. The, that's the original. It's is it Edgar Allan Poe who did the monkey's paw? Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Where anything you wish for, you'll get, but you'll have these horrendous consequences yep. for it. Yep. And that and one of the things that they wish for is their so their son dies, and they wish that their son was back alive, and then he comes back, but it's not that it's not the version of him. Was that Edgar Allan Poe? Uh, W.W. D- w. Jacobs. Mm. But, um, yes, that's the original. <laughs> the OG. The OG. That's not your loved one anymore. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted to <clears throat> talk about that 
part where they were hadn't quite put all the pieces together and realized like this is a thing. I also wanted to want to note I have made so many statements about am I just living the dollar general version of this woman's life? And I do not necessarily think. I don't really I'm not banking on that chapter of her life being one that I also emulate as I'm staring at, right. <laughs> across the table at the person that is my best friend who, you know, would be the person that I would fall in love with. I love you in so many ways, but you do not have to. Ditto. <laughs> Justin. <laughs> I'm I not, don't have, I'm not, these, I don't have all these caged doves. Right. Okay. I have, I have perhaps 50. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could get to a thousand. Yeah. Same. So your Justin, your wife is safe. I'm not coming for her. <laughs> um, but uh, I just wanted to get that out in the, in the open in case anyone so was wondering. So you're not wondering. wearing a, a hat with a bird on it because you're trying to tell me something? Oh, shit. <laughs> I am wearing you're a hat with a bird on it. You're not trying to subtly communicate something oh, to me? Oh, God. I don't, well, I mean, who knows? Maybe in um, many years we will look back on this yeah. episode as we're holding hands, rocking together. Because we're probably five years in. They what? were 13 years yeah. in or whatever it was. Okay, so Justin, maybe just watch your back. Yeah, we're putting you on notice. <laughs> you be- you keep best, be on your best behavior. Continue <laughs> to be on your best behavior. Um, But no, that's not my plan. But what, did it, what is it that they say? Men plan, God laughs. Mm. She said... Part of why when when Rhea was diagnosed, part of why she was like, I can't keep this in any longer because she couldn't stand going to the funeral. This was the most emotional part mm. of the episode for mm-hmm. me. She couldn't stand going to the funeral and people coming up to her and not understanding what their relationship was. And what she had just lost. Yeah. And what she had just lost and what they meant to each mm-hmm. other. We're so sorry your friend died. And how closely that is tied to being seen. Mm-hmm. And my one of my own bigger realizations was when I feel the most loved by someone is when I feel like they really see me. They can anticipate what I'm going to say or they, they, they name something that I've never told them that I do, but they've just noticed that Mm -hmm. someone has really seen me, then that's when I feel the most loved. And if I think about the people that I love the most, and there is a, a specific person, of course, but if that person were to die, and that was a big issue in our relationship too, was they were a very private person. And I respect that. And never really having been, we were together for a year and a half and um, never meeting their family and their family not knowing that I exist. Mm -hmm. And if that person died, me going to the funeral and the family being like, why is this bitch crying so hard? (laughs) What is she even... And and not- once you pull her out of the open grave, can you ask her <laughs> what the actual fuck is right. happening? If, you, if you've ever seen Flanagan's Wake, <laughs> there's a scene where the girlfriend is on top of the coffin. That may or may not <laughs> be something I would potentially engage in. But 
also just feeling unloved because I was unseen by their family. Mm -hmm. And I, I know that that's a very valid feeling that I projected onto that. There's a reason why I had that feeling and that feeling is valid, but that doesn't make it a fact. Um, but when she talked about that being at, she just couldn't stand to be at the Mm -hmm. funeral and all these people saying, I'm so sorry that your friend died. And if I had that same experience, I, it just makes my lungs seize just thinking about it. Yeah. That part of the podcast is when the tears came for me. It's not something that I want to think about. And this was not a hypothetical situation. Right. She was given three months, Mm -hmm. which she exceeded, but they knew going into this thing. Mm -hmm. And I mean, let's just spend a second on that too. She went into this knowing that she was going to have this, Liz was going to have this for the shortest amount of time. Mm -hmm. And that after she was going to experience pain like she had never (sighs) felt before, but it did not compare to the pain of not allowing herself and Rhea right. to have it. Yeah. That kind of trauma fucks people up for life. Mm-hmm. It really does. That lack of closure. And sometimes we have to be able to move forward without closure, but that kind of, I could have, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. And how disembodying that is. Yeah. Because I think when you experience the pain of something like that as a survival mechanism, you have to shut off mm-hmm. part of yourself. You have to cut off a limb to keep the infection from sped- spreading. Mm. So it's good that she didn't try to do that. Yeah. And she talks about she had the happiest time of her life. Yeah. And followed by the most painful time of her life. And people were approaching Raya and saying, I heard about your diagnosis. I'm so sorry. This is so awful. And she asked Liz, how do I tell these people that this is the happiest I've ever been Mm -hmm. in my life? Mm -hmm. Gosh. And you know how fucking eerie or just scary or what a cautionary tale that is right there. Don't wait Mm. until you're diagnosed with terminal cancer to be to do all the things you wanted to do, have all the conversations that you want to have, see all the people that you want to see. They talked about that at the at the top of the episode. Yeah. The reason that Glennon and Liz hit it off was because they had interacted a, a handful of times, and then they saw each other. And Liz asked Glennon, "Where do you live?" Mm-hmm. Glennon said, "Florida," and Liz said, "Why?" Why? And this led to Glennon saying something like, you know, I had to move to Florida because I had Lyme disease. It was killing me to live where I lived before. Mm-hmm. Why do women have to almost die Yes, before right. they will do the thing that they know they should do? Yeah. Oh, God. I didn't even put that together. I didn't either until just now. <sighs> <sighs> yeah. So let's not do that. Mm-hmm. Let's not. Yeah. Um, so part of that story with Rhea is that she was an addict. She had been in recovery for 18 years, but when, when she relapsed and her relapsing because she was like, I'm going to die anyways, I might as well slip back into that bliss. 
And nobody could really say anything. Right. Nobody probably could have stopped her anyway. Right. But also, what logic can you offer somebody right. in a situation like that? And had she really only, I think it was six months to live. Had she only had six months to live, that might have been okay. Mm-hmm. But she didn't. Yeah. She just kept living. And so she was in active addiction for a year. Yeah. Cocaine and heroin. Mm-hmm. And opiates yes. for the pain. The opiates were the, she knew if they, if she took the opiates that were prescribed to her for the pain, she knew that that would reopen her yeah. addiction and she was, she was prepared for that. Mm-hmm. And, but then she also played that card a lot. Like yeah. I'm dying of cancer. What do you want me to do? I'm dying of cancer. And that. I love that Liz does not try to make Rhea into this angelic mm-hmm. Their relationship wasn't perfect. No Rhea wasn't. A, yeah, Rhea was not a perfect person. I just, like I said, she didn't have to. Right. But it's so generous of her to do that because when you look at any celebrity or when you compare yourself to people on social media mm. and you only see the perfection, mm-hmm. you start to think that everything about your own life, your own relationship, your own family is wrong. Yeah. What am I doing wrong? Mm-hmm. Because I don't get that. I don't have that. Mm-hmm. I don't feel that. What am I doing? It's the same reason why we tell each other and we tell our friends who are parents, let your kids see you fuck up. Yes. So that when they grow up to be an adult, they don't think that there's something wrong with them. And that's mm-hmm. not saying that we need to put our problems on our kids and, and parentify them and make them feel responsible for our emotions or solving our problems. But it's balance. It's yeah. you can let them see you mess up so that they know that adults mess up. And here's the thing. Even if you don't set out to do that, <laughs> you're going to. Right, so you are going to mess up and in that front of your so, kid. That was something she said, and that was why she said, "We don't, we don't keep things in in here. We're gonna, we're gonna end up at the truth. The truth has legs. Yes, yes, we're gonna end up here anyways. Mm-hmm. So we might as well just start there. Yeah, telling the truth has a way of thing making things move quickly, mm-hmm. and truth has legs. That's where we're gonna end up anyway. Yep." So just save yourself some of the... The agony uh-huh. and the resistance. And the struggle and the disembodiment that you have to do to live with that. And Lean just into it. Surrender. Um, she talked about then when um, Rhea is in active addiction, just how awful that was. And it turned... She said, Glennon was the one that told her, let me tell you what cocaine does. It turns mm-hmm. people into assholes. She got kicked out of hospice. On one hand, listen, on one hand, I bet she's kind of proud. Like, that's impressive. Mm -hmm. Like, that, that's, that is. She's a rascal. That's extreme. (laughs) But Jesus, in her staying with Rhea during that, and while maybe the length of time that she stayed with her got to a point where it wasn't healthy, but. There's also, for me, that's this huge... She said loving Rhea when she was... Because she never knew Rhea in addiction. Mm -hmm. But loving Rhea when she was sober was great. Mm -hmm. Loving her when she was an addict was a nightmare. Yeah. And if that is not the epitome of loving the person's mess, 
and that being true love, Mm -hmm. then I don't know what is. And to Rhea's credit, she kicked to that habit not once in her life, but twice. How many people? With terminal cancer. Yes. The second time she did that, she she ended up dying like a month or two Mm -hmm. later, but she still did it. Yeah. I love this conversation that they had where she said, what is your plan for your life? Because Rhea only had a little bit of her life left to live. Mm -hmm. And Liz was doing this, trying to live it for her, sort of plan it for her. And that's kind of also where like this addiction piece came in and her going, all right, listen, this is not working. So what is your plan for your life? Is this the part where she says, if you want to die behind a closed door with a needle in your arm, I'm going to have to let you do it. I'm going to, yeah. If it sounds like sanity, Mm -hmm. then I will be a part of it. And that being a big turning point for me in the relationship B of going, oh God, I was struggling so hard to just keep making this thing work when I knew it wasn't working and they knew it wasn't working and everybody who saw or knew us knew it wasn't working. And just trying to hold on to that. and But then finally, it, and that was even after we broke up, we still maintained a level of a relationship that was not sustainable. Mm-hmm. And Liz kind of talks about this when she talks about grief and she knew she did the best that she could and, and she's not judging herself. She, she, she grieved in the way that she knew how. And I, I mean, it's not revolutionary to say that breakups are grief. I grieved the breakup the best way that I knew how. Yes. And part of that involved relationship dynamics and lack of boundaries that helped me get to a better place, but weren't sustainable. You didn't do a bad job. <laughs> Solid B plus. Ah, yes. <laughs> Bs get degrees. Um, in grad school. Because <laughs> Bs don't. Um, but uh, there got to be a point within that friendship when they started seeing someone else and I was just like, ah, I can't do this. There is a bill to be paid. Yes. And you can put it off. Only for but so it's going to reach you eventually. Mm-hmm. And I, I did get to the point, and we had this conversation that really made me like question everything. Where I said something about like, I love you, but I can't watch you do this mm-hmm. with yet another person. And them saying, "Well, then, do you? That's not love. That's selfishness. That's boundaries, baby." Yeah, and I and there was there was a tiny kernel, a small grain of sand in the oyster that was true in that. And what I was saying was like, I can't be happy watching you be in a relationship with someone who's not me. But that wasn't even necessarily actually true. Mm-hmm. It was I really do think that I can be in a relationship with that person and see them be happy with someone else when it's legitimately a good mm-hmm. person. Yeah. Um but I had to say what whatever man like listen I am, I do love you whether mm-hmm. you believe it or not. And I want to be your friend. And I want to be here for you. However, what you're doing 
does not sound like sanity to me. Mm-hmm. So if you want to be friends in a way that involves me, you're going to need to be participating in a in a lifestyle that I can get on board with. And if not, blessings, blessings on, on your day. day. But I I can't. Mm-hmm. And that was exactly what she did with Rhea. If this Thank, sounds like sanity, Trisha Hersey. Seriously, yes. By the way, God, for that phrase, absolutely. I can't tell you the number of times that I have said that. Really? Since listening, I to think that. that might go on the bingo board. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and she talked. She was not adjusting herself to keep the relationship going. Mm-hmm. She, she, and that was what I was trying to do. And how that resonated with me of like, again, we're disembodying ourselves and we're cutting off pieces of ourselves. We're shutting them down, abandoning them to keep this shell of a relationship alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that reminds me of one of my one of my mantras, which is when you live in the integrity of your most authentic self, the people who are meant to be here will be here. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a pretty... I liked I liked that mm-hmm. a lot hearing that. Um we should when we're when you have said everything that you want to say about the life that they had together while Rhea was alive, we should make sure we have plenty of time to talk about yes. the life after yes. Rhea. I will say there when Rhea then goes into um hospice mm-hmm. real Again, they moved in with her ex-girlfriend because Liz recognized that the ex-girlfriend was better at taking care of Rhea than she was. Mm -hmm. And being able to do that with such generosity and how much emotional maturity that takes. And she said, I can either just accept it and be grateful or let it keep me from moving forward. Mm -hmm. And for her, time was of the essence. Yeah. She had to, she just had to, that's a bootstrap situation right there. You either, legitimate, you either, she either had to just get over it Mm -hmm. and and acknowledge and accept radical acceptance. She Mm -hmm. talks about that in there. And the emotional maturity to understand that doesn't invalidate her bond with Rhea. Somebody else's ability to love Mm -hmm. someone that I love does not make our connection invalid or any less because it's not always about me. When Rhea is finally of a clear enough mind, when she was finally of a clear enough mind that Liz could tell her what the experience of being with her while she was in active addiction was like, and Rhea said, if we had more time, Mm -hmm. I would have so much work to do, (laughs) rebuilding your trust, and I would do the work, but we're running out of road. Will you just forgive me? Mm-hmm. And she says, I will. Mm-hmm. Because she had no other option. And mm-hmm. that, again, that kind of radical acceptance, I'm not going to claim to be an expert at it because I know that my shit smells just <laughs> as bad as everyone else's. And that is not the point of this podcast or any of the TED Talks that I inadvertently go on when either in person or on this podcast is not me saying I've got everything figured out. I know all of the answers and well, we said we knew the answers. We just don't 
use them. Right. <laughs> and we also usually laugh really hard when mm-hmm. we say, oh, yeah, we know all the answers. We've yeah. solved all the world's right? problems because we know it's ridiculous. But most people do know the answers. Yes. You go into most your of us really do know mm-hmm. the answers. And so I don't want to, I don't want to say like, I've, I've mastered this. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm perfect at this. So everybody, because it's not, I'm not, but radical acceptance as it relates to forgiveness and being that you can, ju- you can carry a torch for this wrongness mm-hmm. or you can do both. You can acknowledge the fact that an injustice was done to you, that you you can be angry. And she mm-hmm. talks about that, being so angry that she chose the ex she chose your ex-girlfriend, mm-hmm. not the actual ex-girlfriend, but the addiction ex-girlfriend, your old girlfriend mm-hmm. over me. And being so angry that like we could have been We had such a finite amount of time. Yep. Anyway, we could have been having more and you good squandered time. some of the precious time that we had. Mm-hmm. And she, I mean, I appreciated that she said, "I understand addiction better than that. I know that it wasn't really that, right. but it felt like that." Yeah. And and just then saying, "I can either hold on to that, or I can just forgive her." Mm-hmm. And she talks about with that anger too. I could see the rightness of it. And I knew that it had to happen, but I was so, so angry. And that's something that I've said about that breakup B before was like, I can even still, I can look at it and be grateful for it and say that was the right thing to happen, but also not be happy about it. Mm -hmm. I'm not glad that it happened. If I could figure out a way that life could have gone on and I not have to go through that mm-hmm. and I still be able to grow and learn the lessons, then best bet that time machine is going to come out and I would do it. But yeah. both of those things can be true. It was right and it was unfair. And it sucked. And then Glennon gives her this title that mm-hmm. I am going to now claim of being a grief doula and being there, how Liz has been there for so many other people in their times of grief. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think that's essentially what a therapist is, is yeah. a version of a grief doula. Yeah. Um, a good therapist A is. good, yes, a good therapist. And I've also recently, I, when, pe- when there's an emergency or an accident or something, rather than driving by and letting someone else take care of it, which is an acceptable solution, I feel like, uh, my particular set of skills is even if it's just a fender bender, mm-hmm. even if it's just this dude's car brakes went out in the middle of a four way stop mm-hmm. earlier it, before school. He was driving his little sister to school and I watched it happen and his car dies and there are people honking cause he's in the middle of the intersection. And I had, didn't know the guy wasn't invested in his story. Did, but I was like, you know what? I don't, I'm not doing anything right. I'm on the way to the gym. Let me just see if he needs help. And I drove his little sister to school, which was Mm -hmm. just two blocks away. And and I was like, actually, I think I walked her. I didn't put her in my car or anything. Um, She was a teenager, but still a younger teen because she Mm -hmm. was going to the intermediate school. And then I just stayed with the guy. He wasn't hurt. But in my experience, having someone else there Mm -hmm. when you are stressed and lowered this 
poor guy was stressed. Mm-hmm. Having someone else there just I didn't I wasn't doing anything. I didn't call 911. He did. I didn't talk to the police officer. He did. But I was just there witnessing his trauma, mm-hmm. small T if it's even trauma, but you know, just his stress and just wanting to be there so that he wasn't alone. Yeah. And I really feel so drawn to that as being something that I can do. Mm-hmm. There's so many things that I can't do. And I love to think that I could control. But the reality of that is no. Mm-hmm. And there are so many things that I can't do. But I think that is one thing that I can. And I'm not saying that makes me to be this like wonderful person. And I'm not saying that that makes me good at everything because there's some shit that I cannot do. And the world needs people with all kinds of different skills. I just think that that's one skill that I have. And I'm so I'm so drawn to this idea of being a grief doula, mm-hmm. especially when grief's not just about death. Do you know there's an episode where they have an actual grief doula? What? Yeah. We'll you have know, to do that one sometime. I actually, when um, when my ex and I were married, his or death his, doula. Sorry, death she, doula. She teaches people like how to die. Dude, there's a um, there's a TV show that was kind of like that. Mm-hmm. But um, when Jeremy and I were married, one of his friends from work was also married and, and close in age to us, and that and his wife was a social worker in hospice. Mm-hmm. And actually, one of the girls that I went to high school, one of my good friends from high school. Um, is a social worker mm-hmm. in hospice. And she was a social worker that was assigned to my grandma when my grandma went into hospice. And that being such a um, just massive blessing. Yeah. And, um, and I, but I remember talking to her and being like, how can you do that? How can you, like, God, that is so hard mm-hmm. to be, to watch people die every day. And her saying, there's something really, holy about it mm-hmm. and sacred. I think she said there's something really sacred about it. And I don't remember if this was a podcast or a book or something, but when you are present, somebody said one time, when you're present with someone, when their spirit leaves their body, how that leaves an indelible mark mm-hmm. on you. And I do- What's the thing in Harry Potter where the the one creatures can only- you can only Thestrals. see them. Yeah, you can only see them if you you've only... experienced some kind of. Everyone else. Oh, they're all invisible. Yeah, they're invisible horses, unless you've seen death, and mm-hmm. then you realize that they're skeletons mm-hmm. with these massive leather-like wings. Yeah. <sighs> but <Holy. clears throat> anyway, I do. I think I could get on board with being a death du- a death doula or a grief doula. Um, and Raya did not have an easy, peaceful no crossing over. And and you know what. I love so much about Liz Mm. is that she acknowledged that was what Rhea wanted. Yeah. She died on her own terms. Mm -hmm. Liz was like, I was trying to do this whole thing for her where it was like, just let go and and have this peaceful, like tinkly music Mm -hmm. and, and beautiful, peaceful passing. And Rhea lived, died like she lived. And it was brutal for a fist fight and death won as it always does. Mm -hmm. She says, but a fist fight was had. Yeah. And and that being right and acknowledging mm-hmm. that just because this is right for me mm-hmm. doesn't mean it's right for the person that I love and not trying to man- manipulate or micromanage yeah. 
our other other people's lives because we think we know better. That's something to keep in mind, perhaps, when you hear of someone who has died and maybe you're talking to a relative or someone close to mm. them and they say, this person went in their sleep or whatever. And there's the temptation to say, oh, well, that's a blessing. Mm-hmm. That's not how everybody not might choose to go. Yeah, she talks about the three of them because she died. When Rhea died, she was with her ex-wife, mm-hmm. her ex-girlfriend. and A hot blonde for every decade. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and they were all, they were doing all the things that, that they were told that they should do and, you know, stroking her hair mm-hmm. and whispering and saying, let go, let go. And she got to this point where she was like, I know her. And the hearing is the last thing to go. Mm-hmm. So she can hear what we're saying. And she's fucking pissed. She's giving us the middle finger and saying, fuck you, you let go mm-hmm. then if it's so easy. And then, and being like, that's not what she would have wanted. Yeah. And acknowledging that like everybody's ending is going to look differently and that's okay. And I think that, the, and she also talks about there being a lot of shame often associated with grief mm-hmm. and grieving the right way. And I think going back to what you just said about like the, oh, they pass in their sleep and us saying, well, that's a blessing. That's a big assumption. Right. And also if someone's, when we go and someone's not grieving in the way that we think that they should, mm-hmm. not assigning any kind of morality or value or in value to that and just even if we they could be going and doing drugs that are really bad for them and and not healthy and still not assigning necessarily shame to that not jumping in and and shooting heroin with them but just understanding that like they are doing the best that they can mm-hmm. and they are what we would want to happen when we grieve and when liz talks about her life immediately after losing Rhea. Yeah. It makes total sense to me. She says that all of a sudden she was filled with this lust for life mm-hmm. and this vibrance. And that doesn't mean that she didn't still cry, but everything for her in that time was heightened. Yeah. It wasn't flat like depression sometimes mm-hmm. feel. Everything was heightened for her. There's a song I can't remember Mickey something or other, maybe or Mikkel something. And there's a line in it that says, everything I feel, I feel insanely. Mm-hmm. And sending that to my friend Jackie and being like, listen to this song. Tell me which, why I sent this song to you and her nailing it, that that mm-hmm. was the lyric because everything I feel is to the nth degree and that good or bad. Mm-hmm. And when I started to realize that, and maybe that's bipolar disorder. I don't know. Um, But when I started to realize that, understanding that, like, why is peace so hard for me (laughs) to envision? Because it was so – it to me, peace was, like, synonymous with depression, Mm -hmm. with depression being numb. If I don't feel anything, if I feel everything, then I know I can still feel. Yeah, you have to define, well, what does peace look like for me? Because – What does it – Peace for some other people – like may look and feel this way, mm-hmm. that may not be that that shoe may not fit, and that p 
peace is not the absence of feeling. Mm -hmm. The absence of feeling is numbness. And that leads us right into addiction. Mm -hmm. And that was something that Liz realized was (coughs) that she was a, she had love addiction. She talked about, um, psychedelics. She got really into psychedelics and, um, that that can be plant, what did she call it? Plant, plant medicine. medicine. She acknowledges people. that for some people there's a lot of benefits. And I am not opposed to doing my own research as to what those benefits may or may not be. But her talking about she realized she was using um, psychedelics as a shortcut to God. Mm-hmm. Be- she says, it, for me, it was a drug. I mean, she knew that it was a drug because she didn't want to stop using. Mm-hmm. She didn't want the experience to stop. She would cry when it was time to, for it to be over. And that it, one shortcut to God, and that reminds me of Brene Brown hot wiring connection. Mm-hmm. Not it's not genuine. And two, you don't want to stop using it because it's an escape. That's it's like not a tool. At the very end of the second episode, she gets that question from the woman who says, I've spent time in ashrams, mm-hmm. Yep, and then I don't want to go back to That's the real world, mm-hmm. and then I'm in the real world, or I think I shouldn't be here, I should be in the real world, and then I go back to the quote-unquote real world, and I want to return to the ashram. And Liz says, I've had this conversation with other people who have spent time in these places, and some of them never want to leave. Mm-hmm. And Liz says, I didn't think that was what we were supposed to be doing here. I thought what we were learning here was how we can exist in that quote unquote real mm-hmm. world and be embodied mm-hmm. and at our own version of peace mm-hmm. wherever we are. We take mm-hmm. it with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that I wrote that down using an at, using ashram life as an escape. Anything can be a drug. Anything just can like be a anything drug. can be a cult. Mm-hmm. And how did we figure out when when you're in a cult? When you become the product, mm-hmm. when you become the tool, that's a, that's addiction. Mm-hmm. When that's how you know. I think that's how you know when you're addicted. Yeah. When it's no longer a tool, mm-hmm. it is the tool. You're the not only. using it. It's using exactly. you exactly. Using you right up. And that's too when she talks. We kind of we we love Liz Gilbert. Mm-hmm. We love all the lessons that she has given us. But she talks about her higher power and finding her higher power. I very much vibe with this. She she talks about she um, didn't have to heal from the anger of of religion to find and accept her own version of God, like a lot of people who've had other experiences with religion. You can create your own God. It's right. like a Build-A-Bear. <laughs> right? What a concept. Amazing. But that's be- that being a struggle for a lot of people, like Glennon, mm-hmm. or perhaps myself, where we have to get over that anger of the mistreatment mm-hmm. and the just wrong associations yeah. with God and religion that we were, we were indoctrinated yeah. with. But she then she talks about this her God. She she talks to her God every day, and her God is in her two way prayer. Yes, which I prayer. really like. I like I sure this do idea. Too. I do too. You connect to a passage or something that when you sit in silence and read it, mm-hmm. you feel that it is like a portal mm-hmm. to your higher power. Mm-hmm. And then once the portal is open. 
you write down a question. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you're ready, you write down the answer. And you suppose that the answer that you're writing down, you are conducting this information Mm -hmm. through your body, but that it's coming from your God or your understanding of God. Right. And she talks about the the day that she recorded that podcast, her answer from God was, I want you to be, to live in humility and ask me, God, to do things for you. And us being like, I love Liz. Stand in your truth. Yes, absolutely. A thousand percent. Not a judgment on her whatsoever. For me, it would have to depend on who I think God is. Yeah, I have to ask myself when I hear that, and I have instant resistance to it. I have to ask myself: Is this me not wanting to give up control? Mm-hmm. Yeah, valid. Or do I have legitimate? reasons for my hesitancy or is it both yes and probably both i i for me at this point in time in my life can subscribe to a higher power that starts and ends with me Mm -hmm. and not that i am the source of all of the power but that i contain the God source. lives in you as you. As you. God is not separate from me. Mm-hmm. That is not to say that I am God and I am God of you mm-hmm. and them and everyone else, but that for me, I am the higher power mm-hmm. in that I, I contain it. Yeah. It is all part of me, whole as he is whole. Mm-hmm. If the God that is speaking is me, then I can get on board with that. Yeah. If it's your knowing. If it's my knowing. If it's exactly. If it's the universe being connected through that in me, mm-hmm. but it's not some outside entity. It's not some other person that I'm just relinquishing control to because that is escape. Maybe what we are not vibing with is not what she's saying, but how she's saying it. Because right. how she's saying it makes it sound like, She's not even in the passenger seat. Right. She's sitting in the back seat. Right. And she she puts a very clear someone distinction between is, Liz and God. Yes. Someone else is driving. Mm-hmm. And a friend of hers said, I haven't made a decision in 25 years. Mm-hmm. I don't do anything. I don't want that. No. But you know what that did remind me of? Speaking of Trisha Hersey, mm. that reminded me of Harriet Tubman. Yeah. And how... She just had to she just had to trust her intuition. Mm-hmm. She had to trust her knowing to know which way was the right way to go. Yeah. If that's what we're doing, hell yeah, I'm on board with that. Mm-hmm. But if what I'm doing is escaping from having to make the decision, intellectualizing my grief or trauma instead of it as in a way of avoiding doing the work. That for me is a dangerous territory. What I would need to do to resolve this for myself, perhaps, would be to sit in silence with a text that is sacred to me. Well, they're they're right there. We know that's never going to happen for you because of the (laughs) just because of the structure of your family, right? Um, But if by some means I could 
sit in silence with a sacred text, I would have to think about what that would be for me and ask my question, which in this case would be, what does this mean to me? Mm, Instead of what would you have me learn? Yeah. Yeah. And if, what if your sacred text was something you wrote yourself? Mm. Although for me, it's probably going to be either Brene Brown or Nicola Perra. Yeah. But I'd have to really sit with that. That's a big one. I think in order to really get on board and and embody this idea that I am God, if I'm sitting with a sacred text, it's got, it has to be something that I wrote. It doesn't mean that it's something that I came to the conclusion all by myself. Mm -hmm. It can't be that it's not inspired, the inspired word of God. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's going to have to be something that I put in my own words. Otherwise, it doesn't feel true. We have got to say, I think, that this idea originated with AA, didn't it? Yes. This was one of the most important things, more important than – I mean, she she lists a number of things that we think of Mm -hmm. as the top tier things that you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And she says, this was – above all of those things. Mm-hmm. This was the thing, mm-hmm. this two-way she prayer. step program for love addiction. Mm-hmm. And that was part of it. And I just, she talked about how for some areas of addiction, alcoholism, for example, you can, the, the way to be sober is you just never touch the stuff again. Mm-hmm. But love addiction is like food addiction in that that's not, realistic that's you still need it yeah instead of some quantity but what is the right amount right like alcoholism is that you lock the tiger in the cage and you walk away Mm -hmm. food or love addiction is you lock the tiger in the cage but then you get him out three times a day Mm -hmm. to take him for a walk how the fuck are you supposed to do that you can't quit Mm -hmm. love cold turkey you can't quit food cold turkey first of all Cold turkey is food. So that's ridiculous. (laughs) Right away, you're screwed. Second of all, um, and and it's it's about learning how to use it safely. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is kind of this whole higher power thing, too, of like you can't throw too much into one entity of the higher power. And she talks about her higher power being unconditional love. Mm-hmm. And that reminds me of the book by um, Jill Bolte-Taylor, who wrote uh, My Stroke of Insight. And then she wrote another book called Whole Brain Living. Um, she's a literal brain do- neuroscience brain doctor, also a Hoosier, just as we were, um, who had a stroke, thus My Stroke of Insight, and was able to witness parts of her brain going offline. Mm. And, then, and so the Whole Brain Living is about that experience of her belief is that there are four characters in your brain and um, there's left, there's two on the left and two on the right. Mm -hmm. And um, there's your left thinking and your left feeling and your right thinking and your right feeling. And each part of the, those corresponding to a quadrant of your brain and what those, what the brain functions are in those quadrants of your brain. And the, the character four is your right feeling. And that one being, I call mine Tafiti. Mm-hmm. like from Moana mm-hmm. because she's the nurturer. Yeah. She's, and none of these are inherently bad or good. It's about balance. It's about how all four of these characters work together. But her talking about unconditional love 
being like her fourth character. That to me sounds very four character. And, but if you can, when you acknowledge that that is my character, that is a piece of me, Mm -hmm. that's, that's that whole like higher power. Yes. I, the higher power is me, is within me. Right. It's not an outside entity that I, that is scarce. Mm Mm-hmm. That is that was coming from a place of scarcity. Yeah, that being a big thing. Um, any final thoughts? Oh, I do. Yes. Uh, she said this thing about I can. I learned that I can care about people without using them, and her, that part of her love addiction being that she learned that she can love people without using them, using them as a sedative Mm -hmm. or using them as a stimulant and thinking about like, those are the different classes of drugs, right? Like you have sedatives, you have stimulants, you have a bunch of other kinds too, but like that being often why I would interact with someone would be because I'm bored. So I'm going to reach out to this person and I want them to entertain me. Her quote that I sent you that wasn't in this podcast, but that I found online where she describes the heist. Oh, yes. Yes. She spots the person mm-hmm. that is going to be the target mm-hmm. and she observes them long enough to find a way in. Mm-hmm. And then she breaks in mm-hmm. and basically robs them mm-hmm. of all of their emotional energy. Mm-hmm. Everything that they've got, she just drinks it up mm-hmm. and it's a thirst that is unquenchable. And eventually, they start to kind of come out of the spell of being with her. And at that point, she doesn't know what to do. a vampire. Yeah. She doesn't know what to do because she's no longer getting this fix that mm-hmm. she needs. That's a neat pray love, isn't it? The quote was just something I pulled from oh, Wikipedia. <clears throat> but you see her doing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's very honest about how mm-hmm. this has been a pattern for her since she was, I think she said 14 when she, her first relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She said she remembers this first disembodying when she was three. Having yes. to lie. Yes. And understand how to like so that she could hide a part of herself. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I appreciated, I really like metaphors. I don't know if anyone's ever noticed that, but I do really like metaphors. Sometimes they get a little wild and they, I stretch them a little too far, but whatever. I like metaphors because they make things relatable. Mm -hmm. And I loved that metaphor where she talks about using people as a sedative versus a stimulant. And, and then that also makes me think of, you know, cults Mm -hmm. and, and they use you you're in a cult when they're, you, you are the product they're using you. So I don't want to be a cult leader. I don't want to be culty. You don't want to be Ranieri. Cunty, perhaps. <laughs> culty, not so much. Yeah, dude, we are going to, we may have to do a return to Nexium because after watching The Vow, oh, baby, we got lots to mm-hmm. talk about. So much to talk about. But anyway, um, I really appreciated that comparison. And then she also talked about, um, the question about dreams, there was a, there was someone who wrote in and was saying like, you know, I've grieved, I've grieved this friendship and, um, I'm, I'm good with it in my waking life, but in my sleeping life, like they're just, they continue to come in They're in my dreams. And how do I stop that? And, and Liz talking about like, you know, well, doing all the things to take care of yourself while you're awake because you can't control your dreams. Top line things. Yeah. But I am, I, yes. And. 
dreams are the brain's way of working through shit mm-hmm. and figuring out where do I want to store this information. And when you go through something super life-changing or something life-altering, I always I always say like there are these moments in time when my perspective just shifts a degree, but how that when that is a thing. That's a mm-hmm. moment when I when when my life changes. Yeah. When you experience something that earth shattering, perspective shifting, your brain has to figure out how to integrate that into your storage system. And that's what dreams are for. Mm-hmm. And it might be hard. But we can do hard things. Look at it. We can do hard things and you can't avoid it. Mm-hmm. You can't control dreams. You can't avoid it. You can't self-care your way out of dreams. You just have to let your brain work through the information so that it can get to where, because the longer you avoid, you're going to end up there anyways. Mm-hmm. It's the truth. Yeah. It's your brain's truth. It's your body's truth. You're going to end up there anyways. And it's a dog with a bone. <sighs> it's not going to let up. It's, you might as well just let it happen. Let it be. And there are not very many things. Maybe there aren't any other things that are always true. But I would tentatively say that I know everything about everything (laughs) and that anything that I say is gold. No. Also that, but (laughs) that a true thing is time really does eventually, even if it takes so much longer than we want it to, all things are eventually resolved in time. Yeah. Even if it gets resolved when you kick the bucket. Uh (laughs) They say time heals all wounds. Yes. I think that time lessens the pain Mm -hmm. from those wounds. Mm -hmm. There may be parts of us that are always broken. Yes. But it's it's not. Grief Grief is not going to go away until you are no longer of this existence as Mm -hmm. we know it. Mm -hmm. But distance, which is time, Mm -hmm. time equals distance in this situation, distance and proximity from the stimulus. Mm -hmm lessens the response yes we are adaptable creatures yes thank you guys so much for any did you have any other thoughts final thoughts i don't think so thank you potty people yes (laughs) potty people thank you for sticking with us and we hope you'll come back yes please do please come back Mm -hmm. we love you we need you to love us validate (laughs) us but also i don't need anyone to validate me i'm valid and whole all on my own Amen. Uh, Thank you, guys. We love you. Mwah. Mwah.